In the second reading, St. Paul said something puzzling. He said, he came and he preached the gospel and the Thessalonians received it in great affliction and with joy from the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's strange that it's these two things. We probably would expect the second one, joy, but why, why great affliction and how do they go together? So I wanna talk about that, but to get there, I wanna tell you about my retreat. Uh, you remember I was, was away this week, um, starting Monday morning, was, was on retreat over on the east side of the state. And what the Lord gave me was, was and I'm very grateful for it, just an, a new encounter with the unconditional love of God. So if you have never been on retreat or you don't know what this looks like, basically went over and there was a little hermitage, a little house um, that I stayed in, and it was just me, nobody else around. Uh, the, the day is focused, of course, on prayer, so you aim for about four hours, not all consecutive, but four hours spaced throughout the day of spending time with the Lord in prayer. And then when you're not praying, there's, there's plenty of free time too, but you don't want to like um, crowd it. You don't want to like let it take you away from the silence that you're entering into. So it was a beautiful property. There was time for walks or, or praying the rosaries. I walked around um, a little bit of reading. There's mass in the chapel, of course, every day by myself. And it was actually an unexpected treat. I always forget this. I, I, I cook most of my own meals myself, but on retreat, when you don't have like any, any place to be, you just say, I'm going to cook this. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how long it, I might spend eating it. And that's okay, because we got all day, you know? So that was, it's, it's just like a nice thing that there's no rush. So here's how it started. Get to the retreat place, unpack, put my food in the fridge, all that stuff. Here we are. Go to the first hour of prayer. I'm all yours, Lord. What will you do during this week of retreat? And at first, it's just hard to slow down, because the pace, the pace that you usually live is just like not not that prayerful, it's not the same one as on retreat. So when I tried to go to prayer then, first what was in my head was just like many subject lines of emails that I did not get to respond to before I left. Or even emails that I was making up in my head that I was expecting to receive, you know, just like I know that the inbox is just filling up right now, or phone calls that I need to, to make, or, or tasks to accomplish, or people who are waiting on me. And it's tough because you're sitting there and you have all the time, finally, and you can't do any of those things that you need to do. So you just kind of boil there. You're like, no, I'm going to stay here in this chapel. I can't do any of that stuff. I'm, I'm not doing email here. So I, I would just write it down, leave it, okay. So once you deal with some of those sorts of things uh, and you get kind of quiet, I was able to kind of enter into my heart. And what I heard was this, save big money. And the Menards jingle just, just brutally was fighting with the O'Reilly's jingle for like hours. And you're there in quiet. There's no music to play. Bird song does not work to kick that stuff out. So there were several hours of just like, <laughs> when will this end? So after, it usually takes me like a day and a half for some of that stuff. You just, you find out what is in your head, what like runs around in there when you, when you have nothing else to distract you. So the first days were just this slowing down, okay, trying to change the pace. Even, even when it was time to pray, it was like I found myself walking very quickly over there and I was like, wait a second, like there's no deadlines. I don't have to be anywhere for five days. I can, I can walk slowly. So it's a lot of like, oh, just, just slow down, just be here and now with the Lord. So it came to this point. 
Okay, sitting there in prayer, finally quieted down. And the desires of my heart that the Lord has given me, such big desires to love God and to serve him, were there and my failure to live them. It was like, just very, very disappointing and discouraging. Because all I could see like for the last few months is I try and I fail and then I try a different way or maybe a better way or I get a little more ingenious or more disciplined or, or whatever. I fail again when it comes to serving here at the parish or my life of prayer or relationships in my life. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's on your list for things that I need to improve on, but, but I have all of those and many, many more. I have a very long list of these things. And it's it, sort of the example is this. I'm sitting there. And I said to myself, here I am. I am a priest. I'm on retreat with the Lord that I love, that I'm dedicated to, and I do not want to pray. And I was sad and disappointed and angry at myself because I am the problem, because I am in the way. And nothing I try helps, and I make no progress. So this like discouragement that has been building that I didn't really notice that I've kind of fought and pushed back with this discouragement that has been building for weeks and months just finally broke like a dam. I just had to say, I hate my weakness. And I felt trapped because it seemed like there were two options. There was either, well, give up. How many times will you fail and will you get the point? Just give up and then you'll have some peace. You'll be mediocre, but at least you won't have to feel like this. Or, number two, to continue on in failure and to live in this disappointment and sadness and discouragement. So I felt trapped, because neither of those sound very good at all. So when this discouragement finally hit me, I just cried. And then the day was over, and it was time to go to bed, and the retreat continued. So I read this article that I, I got like 10 years ago on the discernment of spirits, and I read it every year on retreat, and it's always surprising and new. But the main point of this article is this, that the way that we think of God determines almost everything. And there are basically two ways that we think about God and how we approach him in prayer. The first one is that God is far away and remote, and that we want to get to him, but it takes hard work, it takes great sacrifices to finally connect with him. And this is how I do, but probably you do too, how, how we often enter into prayer. This is why we hesitate in prayer, because we say, like, this is going to be hard work, and I don't know if I'm up to it today. To focus, to get rid of my distractions, to settle down, to finally put my, my head and my heart in the right place. Okay, that's the first way of thinking about God. The second way, though, is that I am remote and hard to get to, and that God must and does work hard and make great sacrifices to overcome the separation and come and reach me. Now, this is the truth, of course. We know when we hear it, like, this is the living God. This is the Lord who reaches out to us in love. And if we think of him like this, you can see how it changes everything, the way we, that we pray, the way that we live, the way that we, we relate to others. He comes to us with unconditional love to be everything for us who need him entirely, who can never get to him and who actually resist him and reject him. He comes to overcome these things with unconditional love. And so after reading that, coming to this point, with all this discouragement that I was talking about, the Lord says, come 
and rest. And let me give you peace because you, you are beaten down. And I said, I can't have it. And I resisted him and fought, even though it was offered to me, peace and joy. Because I said, that's too easy. You're letting this failure off the hook. I know that I need your love, but I will receive it when I'm not so much of a loser. I'll allow myself to enjoy your love when I actually do my part, when I stop squandering my life. And then the Lord says, will you let me love you even while you are not the man or the priest that you want to be? He says, I know that you have to be better for you to accept you and love you, but I accept you and love you as you are now. I love you and rejoice in you now with all your weakness and failure to the point of shedding my blood, pouring it out for you. Will you refuse me who wants to give you peace and joy? He said, I do not work to overcome your weakness because that is no obstacle for me. But I do work to overcome your refusal of my love because that will kill you. So when you go on retreat, you're supposed to be a little bit prepared. You're supposed to maybe think about, well, where's the Lord guiding me? Or what does my spiritual director say to focus on those sorts of things? I was in a big rush and just really, <laughs> I just grabbed some books off the shelf and like hoped for the best and went on retreat. And uh, one of the books that I brought was this book, okay, The Way of Trust and Love. It's about the little way of St. Therese, written by Father Jacques Philippe. So if you've read any of his books on prayer or interior freedom, it's great stuff, okay? I had been meaning to read it and never did. So I'm just sitting there after reading this article, after this time of prayer, like, I guess I'll read some of this book. And right in the beginning, it, uh, it has this quote from St. Therese that is just basically about the little way that she has. So this is kind of a long quote, but I'm going to read the whole thing because it's better than any homily that I can give to you. She says, I have always desired to be a saint, but alas, I have always realized when I compared myself to the saints that there is between them and me the same difference as exists between a mountain whose summit is lost in the skies and the obscure grain of sand trodden underfoot by passers-by, which helped me because I found out that uh, St. Therese, who I love and admire, actually knew how I felt. She says, instead of getting discouraged, I said to myself, God could not inspire us with desires that were unrealizable. So despite my littleness, I can aspire to holiness. It is impossible for me to grow up. I must put up with myself as I am with all my imperfections, but I want to find how to get to heaven by a little way that is quite straight, quite short, a completely new little way. We are in, in we are in an age of inventions. Now one doesn't have to make the effort to climb up a stairway in rich people's houses because an elevator does the work much better. I too would like to find an elevator to lift me up to Jesus, for I am too little to climb up the steep stairway of perfection. Then I looked in the holy books for some sign of the elevator that I desired and I read these words that had come forth from the mouth of eternal wisdom. Whoever is very little, let him come to me. 
So I came, guessing that I had found what I sought, wishing to know, oh my God, what you would do for a little child who answered your call. I continued my search, and this is what I found. As a mother caresses her baby, so I will comfort you. I will carry you at my breast and rock you in my lap. Never had such tender, melodious words come to rejoice my soul. The elevator that would lift me up to heaven is your arms, O Jesus. To reach perfection, I do not need to grow up. On the contrary, I need to stay little, to become more and more little. Oh my God, you have surpassed my expectations, and I wish to sing of your mercies. So St. Therese rejoices in her littleness and receives love and grace and joy and peace and holiness through it. And I was there hating my littleness, and I was clinging to an image of myself that I loved, that I, that I could love. Strong, competent, smart, doesn't need very much help. Clinging to that, hating my littleness, I choked the love of God. I rejected it and said no. And the name for this is pride. So you, you know St. Paul, he talks about this, and it's a great consolation to many people. And I never wanted it. But St. Paul said, I, I have a thorn in my flesh. This weakness, this trial that hinders me, causes me great distress. And so I asked the Lord to take it away. And he didn't. And I asked him three times to take it away. And he said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So the Lord said to me, am I not your father? Are you not my little son? Do you not believe that I can do great things in you even while you are little? He said, do not be afraid. I will do everything for you. And I said, I don't want it. To, to read these words of St. Therese, I was embarrassed because I said, I knew this. I have learned this. I have said this to other people and taught it and preached it. But I just wanted to be the one, one of the strong ones who doesn't need your love to be unconditional. So even as I like praised and offered the, whole, the, the little way, I have seen it as like a second best. Like, well, at least there's the little way if you're not one of the strong ones. I have always secretly hoped, and I didn't realize it until this retreat, but I've secretly hoped to not need the little way. And all of this frantic trying and the discouragement that comes from it is me resisting God. So then the Lord presents us with a choice. He said, do you, do you want to be what you want to be or will you be what I want you to be? I want you to glorify me in littleness and dependence. Will you cling to trying to, sit, to, to serve me in strength? Will you be the saint that I made you to be or the saint that, that you want to be? Will you let your happiness and your receiving my love that you need depend on your self-satisfaction or simply on my love? And finally, praise God, the stone of my heart broke and I renounced these things and threw them away. So we go back to the second reading. The gospel of God's unconditional love. 
is, is preached to us, is offered to us. And at first, there is great affliction and struggle because it costs us very much, costs me very much, to give up how I, how I liked to think of God and his love, to give up hating my littleness and my weakness, and to give up controlling, measuring the love and joy and peace that he wants to give me. But instead, in the end, I had to say, I will trust you unconditionally, and I will not allow my weakness or failures to restrict or change my trust in your love. And then, after tribulation, after great tribulations, comes the joy of the Holy Spirit. So I'm with these words of St. Therese. Oh my God, you have surpassed all my expectations, and I wish to sing of your mercies. <laughs>